You've discovered TalkZone.com. I thank you. America has spoken from the bottom of my heart. The best in Internet talk radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. I'm shaking my head over this one. The first uh, lawsuit filed since the Food and Drug Administration hearings last month where parents were told they should not give children younger than six over-the-counter cold medicines because they don't work and can be harmful. Apparently, a little four-year-old's cough medicine caused his death. They're now in court. It's what we do on a regular basis. There's so many corollaries, and I'm sorry. I'm just personally prejudiced because I know how much they can add to your health and to mine. Our pets. It's our Healthy Pet Talk feature. Dr. Eric Witherspoon, a.k.a. Dr. Wacky, joins us today. We are going to be talking about the health of our animals' joints. You know, when they're young, they're just, you know, everywhere and can't be stopped. And then they start to slow down. Well, what can we do to help the help the health of our pets' joints? We'll open up the phone lines for any of your pet health questions at 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. We have a lot of asthma diagnosed in this country, and um, it seems to predominantly uh, affect children. In fact, one in three asthmatics, and there are better than 20 million in this country now, uh, is children. Antibiotics in the first year of life significantly increases a child's risk of contracting asthma. Yes, antibiotics can uh, affect bad bacteria, but they also can adversely affect the body because of their effect on good bacteria. Uh, but interesting um, uh, Canadian research, and this was all published in CHEST, the uh, Journal of the American College of Chest Surgeons, that uh, even a pet, a pet dog, can cut the risk of asthma in children by 50%. Great information. Well, this sent a chill. I had known about this uh, thanks to one of the nation's leading experts in immunization and vaccines who has joined Dr. Whitaker and me here on the air, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. A Maryland school district has ordered the parents of more than 2,300 students to court this Saturday for failure to immunize their children. They face jail time. They face fines if they do not appear. Apparently, the parents are going to be lectured by circuit court judge on the necessity of vaccinations. Those parents who fail to appear face fines of up to $50 per day, up to 10 days in school. And we're talking about hepatitis B and chickenpox, neither of which, you know, come on. Come on, you know, are we talking about life say, are we talking about putting, you know, neglectful of our children? No, we're talking about informed parents uh, making the decision 
about what's best for their children rather than be told there's a one-size-fits-all mentality when all of us acknowledge that vaccines can be life-saving, they are by no means 100% safe or 100% effective. So perhaps we need an Abraham Cherick's law. That was the law in Virginia that gave parents the right to choose what was best for the care, in this case a 15-year-old son with, with cancer, versus uh, child protective services, Perhaps we need that in more states. Students in grades 5 through 10 will be required to report to court with their parents, facing fines and jail time for failure to immunize in a Maryland school district. It's just sobering. Liver cancer. We're going to have a lot more of that because we have a lot of people with fatty livers and hepatitis C that set the stage for more liver cancer than ever before. Good news here. University of California, Irvine, suggesting that a flavonoid found in milk thistle, silabinin, in fact, you know, the Japanese actually use natural drugs to treat liver problems. The Europeans use natural antioxidants. So whether it's the Japanese use of uh, milk thistle plus selenium, the European use of alpha-lipoic acid, of course, the FDA's principal investigator on alpha-lipoic acid, Dr. Bert Berkson of uh, New Mexico State University, using this triple therapy, selimarin from milk thistle, selenium and alpha-lipoic acid, uh, it's been shown to actually reverse end-stage liver sclerosis. This was a study using human liver cells, exposing them to different doses of this naturally occurring compound from milk thistle, finding that milk thistle could inhibit the spread of cancerous liver cells and actually promote programmed apoptosis or cell death. It's all published in World Journal of Gastroenterology. They didn't use milk thistle dietary supplements. They used an extract of pure silabinin from milk thistle, liver cancer being the sixth most commonly diagnosed cancer in the world. And, of course, there are great books out there like Natural Liver Therapy, written by medical herbalist and acupuncturist Dr. Christopher Hobbs, that shed a great deal of life, a light on how our lifestyle choices affect the health of our liver. Well, scientists worldwide have been stumped by sepsis. We are talking about a total body infection, uh, often carried by our bloodstream, and even with the most medical advances available, 50% of those who develop sepsis uh, suffer this major assault on the body, which certainly can be, fa- uh, can be fatal. Now the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research has been taking a look at dozens of Chinese herbal compounds trying to reverse that fatal immune response that is often triggered in cases of sepsis, you may be surprised to know that it kills 225,000 Americans every year. That's amazing. And what they found is green tea works. A dose equivalent to 10 cups of green tea a day, the EGCG, the epigallocatechin gallates uh, being the most important, uh, indicating that uh, survival uh, uh, jumped from 53% to 82% using this dose equivalent to 10 cups of green tea a day. 
there's something about green tea. <laughs> it's more than meets the eye. Uh, good words of advice for each and every one of us. What's well, a report released this week by the product testing laboratory ConsumerLab.com on supplements containing resveratrol. A lot of buzz, a lot of products flying off the shelf since that compound has been found to reduce heart disease, um, retard aging, reverse diabetes, uh, help prevent and reverse Alzheimer's disease, uh, beneficial in weight loss. I mean, the list is just really impressive and really intriguing. So there were a lot of, you know, wannabes and might-bes and could-bes and should-have-beens on the market. You know, everybody has their resveratrol capsule out there. Well, not everybody has done their homework. You have to know the companies to make informed decisions. There were good companies that passed the analysis companies like Longevinex and others, but of course what you need to keep in mind is that ConsumerLab.com just tested products at one point in time. Unless these products are either USP or GMP labeled, you uh, don't know if the product that you're buying is the same lot, you know, the, the same as what's on the shelf right now. So while the report finds mislabeled resveratrol, this is this is you know this is a snapshot in time. You have to know the good companies and make informed decision about um, you know products that have been subjected to overall quality and production scrutiny. Uh, there were companies like Longevinex that passed. A number did not. Resveratrol is very hot these days. Well, you and I have talked about Dr. Thomas Stammy's uh, position at uh, Stanford University. He believes, so does Great Britain, so do a growing number of physicians in this country, that PSAs are clinically useless. Now a report in the current issue of the British Journal of Urology International. They have devised a tissue resonance interaction method, TRIM. It's electromagnetic anastropy that detects prostate cancer non-invasively. We have followed the PSA number. We now realize clinically useless. We have too many false positives, too many false negatives, too many men uh, are being uh, subjected to the adverse effects of secondary testing and biopsies and all that goes on where we might have an electromagnetic anisotrophy, known as TRIM, to detect prostate cancer non-invasively in the future. It's healthy pet talk. Okay, come on, what's going on with the health of your pets? We've got an expert, Dr. Wacky, joining us today, 800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. A vital part of your daily health regimen. Vitamins, supplements, and Deborah Ray. It's our focus each and every week uh, during this time on Healthy Pet Talk. We do it on a regular basis, and we have a special guide, um, a veterinarian with an interesting background. He has uh, considerable expertise in equine uh, veterinary medicine, um, started doing some novel formulation for his his patients, his horses, uh, his clients' horses. They started using some of the products themselves, raved. It became Dr. Wacky's 
he's Dr. Eric Witherspoon, a.k.a. Dr. Wacky, who joins us each and every week during this time. We invite you to join us. Any of your health, your pet health questions at 1-800-307-3002. Dr. Wacky, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. How are you? I'm well. Nice to have you join us. Thank you. Well, I know we've got a lot to talk about today because all of us know those young pets that just, I mean, they can't run, jump, you know, get into <laughs> to whatever uh, fast enough, and they start to slow down. And, of course, now we see the direct-to-consumer ads for arthritis drugs for our pets. That's right. But first, John wants to talk to you. John, hello and welcome. You're on the air with Dr. Wacky. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Yeah, I had a question. I recently lost a cat to a feline leukemia. Okay. Are they close to finding a cure for that, and does the immunoregulin really help, or is that just a last-chance alternative well, treatment? Well, that's, that's kind of a triple-edged question there, I'll tell you. <laughs> Excuse me, feline leukemia um, is, uh, first of all, the, the, the short answer is no, they really aren't, aren't close to finding a cure for it. Probably the best thing that we have going for us now is keeping those cats that we can away from exposure to positive cats testing any cat that you have and vaccinating. Now, I'll be honest with you, we've had cats uh, that have been in our care, and not necessarily because of anything that we've done miraculously at our clinic, uh, just because of the luck of the draw for those animals that have been feline leukemia positive or FIV positive, uh, which is similar to the HIV virus in humans, um, that have lived for a long time with care, proper diet, things like immunoregulin, uh, other autoimmune um, Stimulators. There's another product out there besides immunoregulin uh, called APF, Advanced Protection Formula, that was started by a veterinarian, a horse vet in California, that's now labeled for horses, pets, and people. And it's based on it's yeah. a uh, it's an herbal product that's based on on Siberian ginseng, and it just shows an increase in the T cell lymphocytes, therefore helping uh, animals and people. Uh, fight infections, including viral infections. So, really? so I, I'm really sorry for your loss. I know that's a, yeah, it's a it's terrible tough. disease, and and yet probably the best thing I can offer you is to, is to maintain a good vaccination schedule at least a, uh, annually or every other year, and reduce exposure as much as you can. Okay, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. All the best. An open phone line. Your pet health questions at one eight hundred three zero seven three zero zero two. And immunoregulin is an interesting product in and of itself, uh, Doctor Wacky. You know the history there. I actually had the opportunity because uh, uh, their first laboratories were here in the Tampa area to to visit them many years ago. I mean, we're talking back nineteen eighty. Well, I'd love to hear that because my first exposure to it was uh, was simply it was used in in. Uh, in veterinary medicine, the first right. exposure I right. had was was with horses, uh, basically increasing, helping to potentiate antibiotic usage when they had viral and or bacterial pneumonias, and that was what it was introduced to into the into the veterinary world years ago. But they actually uh, took it to third stage um, FDA clinical testing. In fact, there is still an IND for human use here in Florida. Interesting. Because um, um, my late husband uh, used it and, and taught many other practitioners to use it. If used in a very small, I mean, we're talking like, you know, 0. 0.05 cc's right. uh, sub-Q, uh, he had 100% success, as did many practitioners, and the studies back this up, against shingles because of its pot- uh, you know, potentiation of the immune system against right. viral invaders. Exactly. And it's just, it's just an amazing, um, um, you know, remedy. 
you know, interesting. Here we're going to say we're going to we're going to skate all over the place today. <laughs> but I have to bring up shingles. You know, interestingly sure. enough, is I this is terrible. You, I've always thought for years you think of shingles as an older person's problem, but I have friends in their thirties and forties and fifties sure, that have sure. experienced shingles, and it was one of those things that uh, uh, you, you just don't think about. And of course, it's a recurrence uh, of a viral problem. If you've right. had chickenpox, there's a good chance you may have shingles. Right. And, and anything you can do to increase your body's immune response probably will keep that at bay. Plus, of course, living a good, healthy lifestyle and trying to keep stress down as much as possible. Because with shingles, I think people listening to us who've ever been uh, affected or know anybody in their circle has been. I mean, we're talking about up to 13 years of the post-herpetic neuralgia, Dr. Wagner. Right. Exactly. And, and, I, and I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to go in here, but we do make a wonderful product good, that, good. that seems that seems to help. And I, you know, you have to be really careful here. What we say is aids in the reduction of the redness and itching and neuralgic pain associated with shingles. And and that is one of the products we make underneath the Doctor Wacky line uh, uh, with uh, called Doctor Wacky's Owie Ointment. And again, these are anecdotal studies, Deborah. You know, because sure, sure. you just have to be very careful. And I sure. I want to stress that as much as I. Uh, I, I just really believe in, in so much of the natural treatments and natural applications that are out there. Um, one still has to be really careful about what claims they make, you know, and, and uh, I, I just think to protect the consumer and then to be able to come back to someone like you or Dr. Whitaker and be able to ask these questions and have some positive, well-based scientific answers. I think that's, that's really a, a plus for the consumer. So... Let's delve into joint health because, okay. like it or not, we, we, we see a mirror. We process our foods. We're now reaping the ill-gotten benefits of five decades of that. But we've certainly processed our pets' foods, and we see concurrent use of steroids and, and any number of uh, uh, medications to suppress symptoms in, in pet care. And, you know, are, are we seeing more arthritis or is it related to our pets being more overweight or inactive uh, or the processed food or all of the above, Dr. Wacky? I, I'm, I'm going to choose all of the above. <laughs> and, and having been in practice and still, um, I, I'm, I'm not in active small animal practice, but I, but I own a small animal practice that has four veterinarians working there and I keep in close contact with them. I would say that over the 27 years that I've been in practice, I have seen a a, a large increase in the number of arthritis cases that we see in dogs in particular. Not as much cats, but in dogs in particular. And and uh, that's kind of a surprising sort of rate, and yet you look at probably a similar sort of rate in human beings. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Obesity is a real problem. Uh, lack of exercise is another real problem. But some of it may simply, unfortunately, be certain breeds or certain predilections that are just continuing along, you know, as people... Uh, as people continue to breed, you know, we, t- we kid about hybrid vigor, and it used to be, of course, anybody, uh, everybody always wanted a purebred dog, and of course, I, I love now these these various dogs that are out there, Labradoodles and Puggles, and, you know, they take these breeds and put them together and give them a fancy name and, and triple the price, but we're seeing these wonderful hybrid vigor animals that don't have a lot of the problems that the purebreds had before. Um, I, w- I would think some of the other ones, as you see, when you, when you think about how a dog walks on all fours, their center of gravity over their chest, um, it just makes sense that the more they pound those joints in their legs, the more problems they may end up with. 
with arthritis. And of course, we still don't know, Deborah, the long-term effects of things like melamine or some of the other additives that may or may not have been added to dog yeah. food yeah. Uh, as cheap fillers or whatever over the years and what sort of problems that they may cause in forming what we call antibody antigen complexes that may make the arthritis worse. Well, that brings up a, a topic, and, and when we return, Dr. Wacky, if you'll delve into it, just from the simple standpoint that, you know, many of us do feed our pets processed foods. You know, there's no one right way here. We're not, you know, saying, you know, that's necessarily uh, wrong for those pet owners. But by and large, you know, the, the lack of focus on good fats, because we talk about it so frequently in terms of modulating inflammation, and we talk about joint health, you know, inflammation uh, is a key factor of that. So we'll talk Talk about that when we return. Okay. It's our regular feature on Healthy Pet Talk. Dr. Wacky is our guide today. Our lines are open for any of your pet health challenges. 1-800-307-3002. That's 1-800-307-3002. Talking about the health of your pets with Dr. Wacky on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. A regular focus on healthy pets. Oh, yes, the dots do connect because they are so much a part of our health and so many uh, scientific, placebo-controlled, randomized clinical trials. Uh, and joining us today to help host our Healthy Pet Talk is Dr. Wacky, Dr. Eric Witherspoon. We invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, good fats and the health of our pet's joints. Before we do that, let's say hello and Welcome to Shoshana. You're on the air with Dr. Wacky. Shoshana? Good morning. Hi there. Good morning, Shoshana. I have uh, a question regarding my five-year-old Maltese. Uh, I adopted this dog when he was a year and a half. Um, He came from a very loving family. Uh, And between uh, the year and a half that I adopted him and now I've had him three and a half years, um, about six months ago, he began to show signs of anxiety, um, which he never did uh, for the first three years that I had him. Now, um, during rainstorms, thunder, um, sometimes driving in the car, and uh, what I did was my vet actually gave me um, some pharmaceuticals to calm him down. I've never used it. Mm-hmm. But what I have done is um, I'm a nutritionist and an integrative nutritionist. I use supplements a lot with Good. my patients. And um, there is something called Rescue Remedy, which is like a plant-based sure. Sure, the uh, flower essence. Yeah. And I actually give Toby a couple of drops of this under his tongue, and it definitely has a positive beneficial effect on him. Sure. Um, I'd like to know what you think about that and also if there are any other things in reducing anxiety in little four-legged friends. Well, well one of the first things I'd ask Shoshana is, is, is you, you have to kind of go back and look at the history and say, did, did something happen? And I'm not casting aspersions at all, but then you wonder, you know, was he traumatized by a neighbor or a loud sound mm-hmm. or... or 
And sometimes another thing you really do have to look at is, is there some underlying metabolic problem? Like sometimes people will say my animal's gotten all of a sudden nervous and, and scared, and it ends up they have kidney stones or bladder stones, you know, uh-huh. something very odd like that, that that they can't tell us about. Right, you know? but it's a chronic pain. But it's a right. chronic sort of pain, so they can't tell yeah. us. But, but back to your thing with the rescue remedy and stuff, is that there are a number of vitamins and minerals, uh, calcium and magnesium seems we know in, in horses kind of calms them down uh, um, without drugging them. You know, we get right. high-strung horses at shows and stuff like that. Of course, we don't want to give them tranquilizers and drugs and stuff. To calm them down, and, and some of the things that we do is we'll just increase a small amount of calcium and magnesium in, in a supplement. And probably the rescue remedy or some of these other ones, if you look at the breakdown of the of the plants and the herbs that are used in those, is that they may potentiate or maybe have calcium and magnesium in it. So those are other things. It sounds like you're doing a great job with them. And some of it is just assuring him. Um, and I'm not I'm not again saying well you. Run, run off to the doctor and have uh, the veterinarian have a bunch of tests done. But, but just for other listeners to recognize that sometimes um, uh, one incident, like like you say, like the firecrackers going off on the 4th of July, may stimulate that kind of nervousness. But it may be you just have to rule out a chronic metabolic or, or pain problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, terrific. Uh, and, and so there are no tests in particular to this that you would recommend? I mean, if it was... Right now, it only happens at certain times. Right. And there is a particular something going on environmentally that causes him to have the... Right. That's what what I'm saying. There may have been some traumatic incident that that you may never be aware of that that may trigger these things with with him. And also, uh, again, this is not at all putting down Toby, is that your dog's name? Toby. Yes. It is. But Maltese's, and of course some of your smaller, your teacups and your smaller breeds, tend to be more high-strung and nervous to begin with. See, it's hard for me to... I, I have English Mastiffs. I have one that weighs 230 <laughs> pounds. So, so um, they're not high-strung. They're kind of laid back. <laughs> right. Nothing. You know, actually, now that I think about it, there is there is sort of more of a universal anxiety going on here that that doesn't necessarily have um, something in the environment that that triggers it. Right. Um, when I take Toby, Toby spends a lot of time outdoors. He's really we live in the in in the woods of northeastern Connecticut, uh-huh. and he loves being outdoors and he loves going for walks and um, he loves going into the woods. But over the last few months, when I take him for walks now, even around the <coughs> neighborhood. We may be out there 10 minutes, and he stops dead in his tracks, and he wants to go home, which is another maybe kind maybe of he's, Maybe he's run into one of those big old nasty Connecticut ticks up there. You know, <laughs> I, I was just up in your neck of the woods last week, and of course, you know, uh, I'm not saying he has Lyme's disease, but we always look at all those environmental issues. Oh, that, that was the other I, thing I was going to ask you, Shoshana. Does he have... Um, separation anxiety is one of the things that we're really seeing a huge amount of now. Do you Is he ever left alone for long periods of times, or it sounds like you're with him a lot? Not very much. I have okay. a, a nutrition practice in my home, so I am here most days, in and out anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I do go away overnight, it's the only time Toby actually gives me kisses. He's right, so glad right. to see me, but... Um, 
we never leave him alone per se okay. for any. I just always time. like to rule that out. That that is a real yeah. cause of anxiety in many dogs is what we call separation anxiety. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I just think you know sometimes when we're walking, perhaps he hears a sound mm-hmm. that is unusual. You know, people actually our neighbors have eighty acres mm-hmm. and people um, shoot guns and actually that's what, that's what he's going to say. The one thing that bothers even my dogs, and I live way out, like I live on the S curve to nowhere in, in Oregon, and <laughs> and uh, and the one thing that really bothers my dogs is, is gunshots, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure why that particular noise. But there again, I think that there's probably been some sort of traumatic incident that that just triggers in his in his brain those things, and of course then you combine that with the with the smaller Maltese that are a little more high strung to begin with. It sounds like you're doing a wonderful job though with the. Uh, with the uh, rescue remedy and stuff. Thank you very much. And I'm, yeah. I will try the calcium magnesium. I think it's hysterical. I have clients that come to me who have trouble sleeping mm-hmm. or have trouble, you know, and I will recommend calcium and magnesium as there a muscle relaxer and a comative. There, and there I you never go. thought of it for you, Toby. You just have to remember that he only weighs five pounds. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he's 12 pounds. He's 12 a pounds. Big, Okay. He's a big Maltese. He's, He's not fat. He's just a just big one. Big. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much. You've been very helpful. You're welcome. Thanks, Shoshana, for joining us today. An open phone line to invite you to join us. Let's say hello to Don, who listens to us in Pennsylvania. You're on the air with Dr. Wacky, Don. Uh, yes. I, I have a question uh, for the uh, Dr. Wacky. I have a mixed breed female, about nine years old, and... Um, she seems to be prone to either bladder or urinary tract infections. Okay. Uh, she's also a, an allergetic type dog, and um, I think uh, I'm not sure if that's contributory or not. So I need some uh, advice on this. Okay. How? She's nine years old. Yeah. Is that what you said? And, and has she been spayed? She has. Yeah. Okay. And do you have any idea when she was spayed? Did you have you had her since she was a puppy? Uh, we have, yeah, and I would say, yeah, it, it's sometime in that time frame that they would spay a dog, yeah. Right. Well, well the reason I ask that is because usually we, we say we want to spay a dog, a female dog, when they're six months or older. And, you know, there's been this old uh, this old kind of wives say, oh, you have to let them go through a heat cycle and you have to do this. But one of the things, most important things is, is we begin to spay dogs. Some of these, um, some clinics that offer inexpensive spay neuters, um, almost like a factory, you know, running these animals through. If we spay them too young, four months, three, four months sometimes, which, which people, uh, some, some clinics advocate, which I don't, um, you, you can end up with chronic long-term bladder problems, uh, and, or, or urinary tract problems. I won't say bladder, but urinary tract problems. And it has to do with the development of the urethra and the, uh, which is the, uh, you know, the urine flow from the bladder to the to the vulva, basically. And I'm not really sure why. I can't really tell you exactly all the mechanics there. I know that it has to do probably with hormone development and just development of the dog. So that's the first thing I would always ask is, if they were spayed too young, you may end up with these chronic problems. Um, uh, what, what breed, what you say mixed breed, what, what's in her? Do you know? Well, we, we don't know. Uh, she looks a little bit like a German uh, short-haired pointer okay. and maybe some Labrador Okay. And maybe something else. I'm not sure. She's about 55 pounds. Okay. And does she have a tail, or, or was that docked when she was a puppy? No, she has a full tail. Okay. I'm, I'm just 
I'm, I'm trying to rule out all the things that may have caused a problem, you know, a localized infection or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that you, with a with a increased problem with bladders, uh, bladders, does she have bladder stones, or is it just a, a long, a chronic urinary tract infection? Well, you know, I never had her tested for stones. Um, I, what I do is I take a urine sample in, right, and I've never had it to the step where they determine the kind of infection, what right. kind of bacteria is infecting it. And then at that point we'll treat it with antibiotics right. and, and so on. One of the one of the first things I would probably recommend is is because it's so chronic. <clears throat> excuse me, is just having a simple X-ray taken because she may be just forming small stones in her bladder and and maybe doing that over and over again. Certain breeds of dogs like Dalmatians are notorious for forming stones. Other dogs form them because of age, because of diet, because of other environmental issues. And um, excuse me, <clears throat> had to clear my throat there. Um, okay. I would simply go in and, and uh, with these chronic things, instead of continuing on long-term antibiotics, uh, you know, with long-term usage of antibiotics, there's always a probability of resistance when you when you may need it later on, or uh, overgrowth of fungal conditions because of the antibiotics. So uh, possibly, possibly having them do something a little more. Uh, strong. Sometimes we'll actually take urine directly from the bladder by what we call cystocentesis or by a catheter so we can rule out anything that's on the outside of a dog. It's very difficult to get a really clean urine sample from a um, from a dog when you're when you're just urinating, you're catching it. But okay. but I I think with the chronicity of your problem, you really want to rule out kidney uh, sorry bladder stones in this case. And those are, there are- I'm sorry. If there are bladder stones, where do we go from there? Well, a lot of it can depend on on what they are formed, you know, what they look like and what they're formed like, um, uh, uh, you know, what what they're made of, calcium oxalate or some of these other chemicals that may form up these stones. There are actually diets made by uh, Hill's prescription diet called SD, stone diet, uh, (laughs) that is designed to dissolve those stones. So depending on how severe they are, it may be able to be controlled and and, uh, and 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 resolved by nutritional by nutritional means, which is a great way to go. Sometimes right. we have to go in and surgically remove them, and and uh, uh, of course the bladder stones don't just cause constant ir- uh, irritation. The longer they're in the bladder, the more ir- the more thickening of the bladder that you get, and therefore the more prone to other problems the dog might be in their urinary tract infection, uh, urinary right. tract. So. So they, you really do want to get rid of the stones, of the bladder stones, if that's what they're there. And I would, I would just really consider that way high on my list, considering the what you said, the number of times that she's had this problem. Okay. All right. Good All advice. Right. Thank you. All right, Thank Don. You. Thanks so much. An open phone line. Uh, to invite you to join us, it's our Healthy Pet Talk uh, focus with Dr. Wacky joining us today, Dr. Eric Witherspoon. The number for you to join us, 1-800-307-3002. Let's say hello and welcome to Nancy. You're on the air with Dr. Wacky, Nancy. Oh, hi. How are you? Good Fine, morning, thanks. Nancy. Fine, thank you. Listen, I have an 8-year-old female schnauzer, and a few months ago she had a stone in her bladder, which was the size of a golf ball, so she right. had to have it operated on. How do I prevent these? I mean, this is her second time around with the stones now, and um, plus it was in the same spot, I guess. Right. The operation is when she was spayed. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm afraid now she's starting to urinate more 
than what she should, and I'm afraid she's starting on another stone. On another stone. Well, the first thing I'm going to ask is, is did they have that stone analyzed? Yeah, yeah. they did, but they did. The, the doctor was so uh, nasty. I mean, it was just, I'll never go back there again, because <laughs> she says, oh, even if I explain it to you, you probably wouldn't understand it anyway. Okay, now those are the type of doctors that need to be uh, avoided. Oh, I know, I won't go back. <laughs> Some of my best clients have come from from other doctors who have told them that. And I'm, I'm going to get on my high horse here one second and say that in veterinary and in human medicine, I think it's really important to be an educated patient. Uh, and I think when doctors or, or medical professionals of any sort make that sort of statement of uh, you wouldn't understand anyway, it's our job to, to help you understand. You're, mm-hmm. you're paying us to come in and, and do a procedure or procedures with your pets, and it's our responsibility to to, uh, to help you understand why we did what we did and why you're paying for it and, and, and how to help. So there, there's my high horse. Sorry about that. My uh, high horse is we don't want to cut you short. Nancy, stay put right there. We don't want to cut the answer short. Dr. Wacky joins us today. Healthy Pet Talk, 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Changing the face of healthcare each and every day. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Bot here. Healthy Pet Talk. Dr. Wacky, our guide, Dr. Eric Witherspoon. Uh, the line's open, jammed. Uh, let's uh, go back to Nancy. Didn't want to cut her short. Nancy, welcome back. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say that this doctor that I went to said that schnauzers were very prone to bladder stones, but. This is my third schnauzer, and I never had a dog with a bladder stone. Right. Well, I, I, I'm going to concur with that veterinarian, no matter how nasty he was. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was what I was talking about. Certain breeds have a predilection towards certain conditions or problems, and schnauzers are notorious for forming uh, bladder stones. They're usually innocuous ones. They're usually a calcium oxalate crystal or something that has calcium and magnesium in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things. I, I can truly relate to this because I had a kidney stone once a year for seven years in a row. Okay. It, was, it was every May I knew something was going to happen, and I know what the problem was here. I was a poor student at the time, basically, sure and I ate uh, a lot of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a lot of cheese, and I didn't drink enough water, and I can't stress enough, uh, as Deborah will probably attest to, Dr. Whitaker, anybody who's dealing with human health, how important it is to drink water, you know, to, to, to keep our, our bodies uh, well hydrated. Same mm-hmm. thing with dogs, but of course, the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. Same thing with dogs, you can't say, drink that bowl of water. Yeah, um, he does drink a lot of water. Well, but when they drink a lot of water, um, there are a number of things that you have to, to think about. Uh, excessive, dr- excessive drinking in a dog may be a sign of kidney problems to begin with, or the whole urinary tract problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, instead of just focusing on the bladder, you may want to, the next time you have a, uh, an opportunity to go to the veterinarian, to, to run some chemistry panels to determine whether or not his whole kidney function is normal. Does that make sense? In other words, if everything is not being filtered properly through the kidneys, mm-hmm. uh, then you may end up with bladder problems. You don't there mean are that di- might be a diabetic or anything like that? Exactly. Diabetic or, ki- or kidney problems, there's a condition called Cushing's or Addison's that that humans get as well that has to mm-hmm. do with the adrenal gland, um, which lies right next to the kidney. Um, the uh, the other thing to stress is that is that diet is the most important thing that you can do here for your dog. And and uh, as I was telling the, the fellow that called in before, 
prescription diet has been at the forefront of, of uh, nutrition for dogs and cats for, you know, 30 years, the Morris Foundation. They've just done a fantastic job and, and stirred research in a lot of other companies as well. So the most important thing you can do is to determine whether or not uh, there's something higher up in the urinary tract problem, such as the kidneys, that may be causing the problem. And then secondarily, uh, increasing uh, uh, you know, their, their dietary supplements or their diet such that they uh, hopefully don't form the stones again. Uh-huh. Nancy, you've got your homework. If you need further help, he'll be back. If you need him in the meantime, Dr. Wacky's 1-800-376-1293, 1-800-376-1293. You lit him up, Dr. Wacky. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.